Amen. Thank you. What a good start to the morning. Hey, just to add to our good start this morning, uh, uh, one of the uh, things that I don't know if you uh, heard last week, but we sent a, boy, a grip of kids to kids camp. Um, I think there's about 80 kids and leaders, and uh, uh, the reports are just coming back. Uh, just been an awesome camp. It's been powerful camp. Uh, so many really good things, and so I know they're on their way home, but uh, just really excited about uh, all our camps, uh, all the great things that are happening. Uh, our high schoolers leave for a camp on Friday, right? And so uh, we have a big, big group that are going. Uh, I think one of the largest we've ever sent uh, from Beach Point. And so uh, you, when you leave today, you are going to be invited to pray for a high school student. So make sure and grab a prayer card if you haven't gotten one already. We want to encourage you to do that uh, this week. We've been... Uh, we're in week six of a series called Elevate Your Life. We have these uh, little guidebooks. If you didn't get one yet, you can grab one on your way out to, uh, as you walk into the lobby. There's a table set up. Uh, make sure and grab them. But uh, what we're spending is the first two months thinking through as we're working our way through some of the Psalms. But the, the idea is how to kind of take this, this kind of... Um, moment in our culture where we start thinking about new year and new life and, and kind of best version of us and kind of create our own goals and dreams and things like that. But instead, uh, first uh, going through these two months, trying to think about what does it look like to listen to God, let God be the architect and the designer of what he wants to do. We know that Jesus is, is working in us, he's forming us. And so how do, we, uh, how do we pay attention to that? How do we see this intentionally? How do we let him do what, what he does best? And so we want to encourage you, if you haven't had a chance yet, grab one of these books on the, on the way out and join us in this. Uh, we have a couple weeks left, but uh, uh, you're welcome to, to come through. But the, the whole process really works if, you, if you're attentive to God's voice. The, the process really, uh, as you work through it, 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 you, it really requires you to be attentive to his voice. Uh, and so thinking about uh, his voice in our life, I, I was struck by a story I heard this last week. It was, that was so interesting about opera singers, and it, it became uh, very vivid to me last night. Last night, I was watching uh, our friend Sandra, who a lot of times leads worship up here. Uh, she was a lead in an opera at Biola University, and so I'd heard this story, and then I was watching her and thinking, wow, this, is, this story is, is so much more interesting. But about uh, 50 years ago, there was a doctor named Alfred Tomatis, and he was confronted with kind of one of the most uh, challenging cases he'd ever uh, come across. It was a, there was this renowned, renowned uh, opera singer who had lost his ability to hit certain notes that were in his range. And so uh, he'd gone to all kinds of ear, nose, and throat specialists trying to figure things out. Everyone thought it was something related to his voice. Uh, but Dr. Tomatis thought it was something different. And what he did is he took an instrument and he discovered that even an average opera singer produces 140 decibel sound, uh, sound waves at a meter's distance. Just to give you some perspective, that is louder than a jet, a military jet taking off uh, from, a, uh, from a carrier. Uh, that's how loud that is. So if it's that loud, imagine how much louder it is in your own head. And so when he, he came up with this amazing diagnosis that the opera singer had been deafened by the sound of his own voice. They call it the Tomatis effect. Now, it's, it's such an interesting thing because I think for many of us, if we were honest, we would say we are experiencing this in, in some way, in a spiritual way in our lives, that, that in some ways that our own voice has deafened us to the ability to hear God's voice. 
You know, learning to hear God's voice in your life, it is the solution to a million problems uh, because his voice is life and it's love and it's joy and it's purpose. And there's so many things that God wants to communicate to us because he's, he's created us and, and designed us to be in relationship with him. And so I want to ask you a question as we begin this morning, uh, the sermon this morning. Let me ask you, what voice... What voice is the loudest voice in your life? Now, please do not nudge your spouse next to you, okay? That's not the point of this. But what voice, what voice carries the most weight in your life, has the most influence, the most impact? And and of course, it's fair to ask this morning, is it God's? Does God's voice have the most impact in your life? And I know for me, that's a a struggle to try to get to that place. I I have a great desire for that, but often I have to admit that his voice is not the the voice that has the the biggest impact in my life. And so uh, this morning, we want to explore what what that looks like if we're going to allow him and his voice to impact our lives. And so here's our big idea today, our big idea, kind of the golden thread that we're going to see woven through everything we're talking about. But our big idea today is this, that if you want to elevate your life, you must elevate his word. To elevate your life, you must elevate his word. There are a number of ways in which God makes his voice known, but I don't know if there's any way that is more powerful than the way that God communicates to us through the power of Scripture and through the, the means of Scripture. And the, the thing about the Bible is this. It, it's fascinating. Uh, for many of us, we see it as a book, maybe even a book of stories. But the Bible really is compiled of 66 different books. Uh, it is made up of, uh, f- it is written by more than 40 writers over 15 centuries, three language on three continents. And, but what's the most, the, the most fascinating piece of the Bible is this, is that every book, every author, every story, it, it all is woven together to tell one story, the big God story, the God story of God's desire to be in your life. To, he's created you for a relationship, that he is redeeming you uh, for a relationship that you are destined to be, that, that we see this one story woven through everything in Scripture. And so it's fascinating as we see the, this way that it happens, that, uh, whether it's farmers or fishermen or kings or poets, all the different writers, all the different topics from law and history and theology and, and you name it, all these things together, woven together to tell God's story. And the reason why it's woven together so well is because of really the author, the spirit of God. Uh, uh, Teach and leading all the way through this. Now, I don't know about you. I think for some of us, it's easy. To, um, uh, maybe you have more than one Bible uh, at home, and uh, you get a new Bible, and you don't know what to do with the old Bible because you feel like it would be somehow dishonoring to God to put it in the goodwill box and give it away, and it feels like that. So you keep the Bible in a in a, in a select of other Bibles, just in case Jesus does show up at your house, you can show him the Bibles that you've been collecting over the years. Uh, but we, we so readable to us, you can download it on just about, really, on any device. You can have multiple versions, all kinds of, of ways. And so it's very easy for us to have things like, there were scribes who spent their entire adult life 
uh, writing these pages and, and copying have this available to us. We forget about people like uh, uh, Wycliffe and Tyndale and other people who gave their lives so that you could have the Bible in your own language, your own heart language. We, we take it very seriously. We, uh, part of our mission, part of what gave to him was to help provide Bible translation all over the world. We're in Africa and in Asia and in all kinds where there are people groups who still don't have the Bible yet in their own heart language, but you are an opportunity uh, because we know there's something very special when you can hear the word God in your own heart language. But notice why. I want to show you that there's one author. But listen, listen to the way it's described this way. Paul says, All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped every good work. And so the Spirit uses the Word of God. He uses the Scriptures to teach us and correct us and train us to live the fullness of life that God has. We have to elevate His Word in our life. And so one of the things that we've been inviting you to do in this process of going through this workbook is, is do something we call SOAP. SOAP. So SOAP stands for this. It, it stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, Prayer. It's just a simple a way to work and, and to learn uh, what that means to us. And so some of you are already discovering. In fact, it's been really fascinating. I, I think a lot of you are, are finding, and I keep hearing people say this, I'm reading the Bible more than I have in a long time. And I'm understanding things and I'm seeing things. this kind of movement in our church. People are really uh, engaging in Scripture uh, in a big part because of this method. They're practicing but I want you to see something about SOAP, and that's beyond just a clever acronym and a, and, a, and a clever method, that really the principles behind this are things that we, that, that we see are ways that the Scriptures uh, commend us and say hey, there's that you can let the Word of God get into your heart, and this is it. And so let me invite you to, to see this with us. Let's look together. Our psalm of this week is Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Look at verses 9 to 16. And it's page 70 in your guidebook. But as you, as you go to this, uh, this psalm is really, really, really long. This is a hundred and, it's a, a psalm that's a hundred and minutes. And, and I'll explain a little bit how it's structured in a moment. We're going to read eight verses. But in these eight verses, there are seven different words used to describe the same thing, to, to describe the, the impact of Scripture, the Word of God, the words of God into our life. You're going to see... Word, commands, decrees, laws, statutes, precepts, ways, all of those are getting at the same concept, that we should listen to God's voice, that we should invite him to speak and direct and teach and instruct our lives through his word. So let's read it together. Uh, We read these words. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. 
What I want us to do is I want us to look at this psalm a little closer, and what I want us to do is as we think through this method that we've been uh, looking at, I want you to see that there are some ways that you can see how to do this, why, why elevate, how you can elevate God's word in your life, how he can elevate your life uh, by you elevating his word. Here's the first thing I, I want us to see is this, is that you listen, you listen to his word. So the S in SOAP stands for Scripture. And I would tell you this is kind of the hardest part of the whole exercise is deciding that you're actually going to stop, sit down, or, or whatever it is, and, and you're actually going to give God your attention. Now, one thing that you may have noticed in the reading is that it's really almost one verse, it's one thought repeated eight times. But one thing that you see in every one of the eight verses is that there is an intent of the psalmist to give God his attention, to see and to hear and to to listen to the things that God wants to say. In fact, if you were to look through all 176 verses, I think you would see the same pattern. There's an attentiveness and a willingness to listen to the Word of God. Now, for us, two problems uh, are, are what we're up against. Number one, busyness. Uh, there's no one in here that doesn't feel like your, your life probably completely overwhelmed with busyness. So our intentions are good. We, get, we decide, I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do soap. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to study. I'm going to kind of listen to God. And the night goes long. You wake up groggy. The morning just is kind of rushed. It's out, the kids aren't ready. Whatever it is, and so you go, okay, I'm going to put it off till lunch. And you decide you're going to put it off till lunch. So you're all set. I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to find a quiet place. And of course, at lunch, what happens? A coworker sits down, a fellow student sits next to you, and you think, okay, so this isn't going to happen. Okay, I'll do it tonight. And you go that night, you get sit down, you finally get into your bed, you finally get to a kind of a quiet moment, but the day has been long, and all the energy is gone. And so when you finally tuck yourself all in, my wife does this all this time, gets so cozy in bed, and then wants to have this, and then I see her, you know, kind of conking out. I'm like, you made yourself so cozy. How in the world are you not going to fall asleep? We fall asleep, and we wake up next morning, their Bible kind of on our face, and we think, oh man, I, sorry Lord, and we feel shame. And so then we start kind of avoiding God, which leads to more guilt, more shame. And then finally someone kind of snaps us out. You don't have to feel that way. And so busyness can really trap us. And part of the problem is because we know we'll still be there. In our busyness, we keep kind of saying, Lord, I'm so sorry for this. I'll get back to you. I just have to take this one thing. And it keeps happening because we just know we can keep saying to God, hey, can I come back to you later? And we know he'll be there. The other thing I think that's useful for us is this, is that the Bible can be very hard to understand. It can be hard to think if you are about in our context, in our culture here, what it was like 2,000 years ago and trying to hear and understand what was going on in Jesus's life and, G- and the things that he was trying to say. To go back into like passage today as Psalms, you're maybe talking 3,500 years. So you're going back in a significant time and thinking, how do these ancient ideas into my modern context? I remember for myself, the first the Bible... Uh, we were not a church family. We didn't do anything. But I remember, I don't know how I, uh, we, we had one. Uh, my, I saw one in my grandmother's and I began to read it like you would a Harry Potter book or something like that. I just started quick. I had no idea what was going on. And I gave up pretty, pretty much immediately. This is not going to work. But I'd heard the Bible was an interesting book. And I thought I was kind of being a Renaissance man at, at 12 or whatever by learning to read the Bible and being able to have some kind of conversations about it. So the Bible can be very difficult. So our busyness and our difficult. But I want you to see there's something about to have a vibrant relationship with 
You, you, you spend time with that person. And to have a vibrant relationship with God, you spend time with God. And this is the ways that God wants to just share who he is, what he's doing with us. And so this is why we process to kind of help you with this. This first discipline of giving is so important because we want to position ourselves and our hearts to hear what he has to say to us. Like the way that Mark Batterson says it in his book, Whisper, you aren't willing to listen to everything God has to say to you, hear anything he has to say. And so to list that, you, you see this in the psalmist, there's a, there's a posture of I want to take in what you have. Measure your words. I was stuck, so I, as I'm going through this, I'm doing my soap, uh, and I got to verse 14, and I, I got stuck right there. Like, it was really clear that this was the thing that I was supposed to kind of think on it and consider. And here's why. Listen again. Look at verse 14. He says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. And I found myself thinking, is that, is that true? Let me give you a little mind exercise to work on. Let me, what emotions do you feel in this? Um, pretend you are walking into an office and you sit, I'm on the other side and I'm, I'm the attorney of your great uncle William. And I say, Hey, I have great news for you. Your great uncle William, when he passed, he has left you $100,000 his estate. What I need to know today is, would you like that in a check? Or like that to be a direct deposit? What are you feeling when you hear those words? Beyond, all right, there's a, there's, this is going to show up at The Rock, right? There's going to be a video of this and make fun of me, right? Okay, so once you realize this is really happening, what you, a little bit of excitement, a little bit of peace of mind. I can't believe we're going to pay those. This is incredible. How, how did this happen? The, the, the anticipation, Tahiti, Fiji, gosh, where are we going to go? Like, it, it, and I found myself saying, I would feel all those things, if, but I cannot say that, and the psalmist says, that's how I feel when I come to Scripture. When I come to your words, like there's just the sense of anticipation and peaceful. Like I can't wait to see what you're about to show me. You're going to open. And I thought, I'm not there yet. I got to get there. There are times I'm there. But I was in my heart and in my life. And I realized I have to have a part of listening like the psalmist. It begins uh, with a decision to listen. But, but the next thing is important. The second thing we do is we meditate. We meditate. The O in soap stands for observation. The S is for scripture. O is for observation. And the goal is not through the Bible, but that the Bible would get through you. And so we, we look. So when I say meditation, I mean is find a quiet place and empty your mind and kind of think. culture. What I mean, think and reflect and choose. Just keep working an idea over and over and over again that it becomes, in essence, kind of like a part of who you are, a part of your heart and soul. Notice in verse 11, he says this, I have hidden your word in my heart. The psalmist is committed to, to meditating on such a way that, that you see there's, there's a commitment to memorize uh, uh, parts of Scripture so that he can live by, the, live by this, these truths. Now, some of you are thinking, memorization, man, I just cannot do it. I got all this stuff already. My brain is full. I have room in my brain to memorize anything else. So we challenged you this week. We, we invited you to memorize Psalm 1. It's six verses. Some of you are thinking, six for too much. Uh, imagine trying to memorize this passage, all 176 verses. 
Now, before you think that is completely impossible, what I want you to do is kind of take and take it almost a step back and look at how Psalm 119 is structured. It, it is structured in, as I said, these little pieces. They're called stanzas. There are 22 of them, like almost like 22 begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet and it all the way through the Hebrew alphabet as if every letter gets a chance to give, as we might say in our language, from A to Z, every, every letter gets a chance to praise God in the worthiness of his word. And so one of the things that when you look at Psalm 119, you see that it is meant to be memorized, something that you can hide in your heart. I heard a story about a young man, he was 28 years old, he had uh, a and they were able to resuscitate him, but he'd gone without oxygen, and it caused significant brain damage. And so he lost, and he was in a, a coma for 30 days when he didn't recognize his family, his friends. He couldn't, he, nothing significant. His brain was kind of like Teflon. Nothing w- was able to really stick to it. Well, that day that he had the heart attack, a man named Dick Foth was supposed to, to meet with him. Uh, Denny was a, a campus pastor, and he, uh, Dick was a and so Dick, that, that initial meeting turned into a month long of hospital visits to, to try to care for Denny in this, in this state. And many times Dick would leave completely frustrated. He found himself asking all kinds of questions, most significantly, Lord, why? As he, that kind of hit its, its kind of peak in his heart, he was himself and he just started punching the elevator. He started taking it out on the elevator. And he said in that moment, he felt like he heard this, this gentle whisper of God and, and in this, he asked this question. He felt like God asked him this question. Uh, he said, any question you ask me, you just, don't, you just don't have a large enough frame of reference to handle the answer. And he sensed in some ways that God was doing something bigger he hadn't seen yet. doing. It was about six months after the heart attack, and, and uh, for some reason, a spur of a moment, maybe a kind of a inspired by this, he decided, he looked over at Denny, he said this, he said to Denny, for this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And he stopped. He said, Denny kind of looked off into the distance, and then he finished. He says, that if I believe in him, I wouldn't die. He said, yeah. Yeah. He goes, Denny, this. Do you remember this? Jesus loves me, this I know. And he said, Denny picked it up right on cue, right on key, and finished singing the whole song. And he realized in that moment that there was something God was still doing, although his brain was damaged, there was something about God's work deeper in his heart. Years later, and, and uh, Dick was at a, a seminary chapel in Boston, and he was sharing this story. At the end of the chapel, a student comes, man, I got to tell you a crazy story. He said, I'm an intern at this church, and they, they asked me to go to this nursing home to visit one of the members, and her name is Mrs. Fredrickson, and she's quite old, and she has dementia, and so she just lays in her bed, kind of stares and just kind of mumbles. And so I was visiting her, and I was sharing with her, and it just didn't seem to make any difference, and so I just said, Mrs. Fredrickson, I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to leave. He said, she turned over, and she said, young thing, and he said, she started to quote Psalm 119 all 176 verses. He said he opened his Bible that she knew every single line. And then she looked at him and smiled and said, that's all. And then rolled back over and went back to staring at the wall. And so there was something in these stories that he just, he realized there was something which when we hide God's word in our heart, it, it, it becomes this quite powerful moment of God working at a much deeper level than we see. 11, it says this, I have hidden in your word, your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. I've hidden word in my heart. Now, you may doubt that you can do this, but if I do, 
hey, by next week, I will give you $1,000 for every one of the verses that you're able to memorize of these 176 verses. How many do you think you would be motivated to memorize? Probably a few, right? Okay, so you, you, maybe motivation isn't there, but I think you are capable of far more than you give yourself. For example, I was born in 1969, the 70s, and McDonald's taught me how to memorize what was in a Big Mac. It is two all beef. So I'm not the only one who learned that. Okay. Now, now I was trying to figure out, I've I've done done different ones in each service, and I was trying to figure out with you young, what would be things to help illustrate this? And I realized I am, I am probably a little too old to understand your world. So I have spirits, I've brought in a, an appeal to help us with this. So would you welcome Paige Clenny to the stage? Okay. All right, Paige. Paige, you're, you're a year. So I want, and anyone in here is welcome to join us. But uh, give us think we can remember. Like a good neighbor. Okay. Okay, that's pretty good. Um, test their band a little. Go a little bit tougher. So I just point. You are capable of memorizing Carly Rae Jepsen lyrics. I think you're also capable of eternal, immortal God as well. I'm just, that's just a guess. Okay, let's, all right. I really want you to, 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 to push them. And I think this one might, I don't know, maybe we can do something that will expand beyond just the kids. Maybe it'll go, maybe at least another generation, but give me something else. Okay, we got Jim's going to get out of control there, so it's going to go all day. Can we, can, do you have anything else? Or did I, did I, get, I don't want to, okay, find Paige on the patio, and she will continue to impress upon you. Can we give her a round of applause? Okay, we, we are this, okay? So again, it just it comes down to desire. It comes down to the work. Now, the reason why we, we are able to memorize those things, that they're catchy, they're immersed in them. I don't know the, the, the words to Carly Rae Jepsen. I immerse myself in her music. Maybe that to my own, uh, my own loss. But the things that we immerse ourselves in, we do find, they do find a way of hiding them, themselves in our hearts. And, and so I want to invite you to consider this. There's a way that we see uh, in the writer of, of Psalms, what he says, we, we see in verse 9, notice in verse 11, why this is so important. I do this so I can stay on your path. I do the life, God, that you have for me. I can stay away from the chaos, find the abundance that you have for me. Well, here's one last thing as we close. The last thing is this. We listen, we meditate, and we apply. The A in SOAP is for application. And, and an application, this moment of application is where we, we really decide if God's word is going to be valuable to us or not. It's value from being observers to practitioners. When, when, it, when it becomes less about information and more about transfer. Uh, even Jesus, I, thought, I think this is interesting. Think about this. Jesus, he's got his disciples, and he's given them a commission. Disciples of all the nations, baptize them. And then he says this, teach them to everything I've commanded. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded. He doesn't say, teach them everything I've commanded. 
He says to obey everything, like application. It's at the heart of hearing it, but he wants you to trust him enough that you will put his words into practice. I saw the power of this yesterday. Uh, we have this, uh, we, had, we had a guy in our church in, a, in a, such a unique way. So Craig, Craig was in the 70s. Craig was a, he was an MVP football star at Edison High School. I mean, quite the star athlete, uh, but he was also a partier. And as a result of that, after high school, he found himself uh, uh, an alcoholic, and it just kind of continued a downward spiral until he became basically a homeless man living in, under a bush, 7-Eleven. Uh, Craig's life took quite a turn. Nancy, Nancy is a woman in our church that I would say just takes the life of Jesus very seriously. She takes his words into her heart, and she thinks about them, but ultimately I, I know it's very important for her to live out those words. And, and Nancy was really struck by the words of Jesus to care for the poor, care for the oppressed, to, to do something. And for her, that began to be centralized on the homeless. And she began to think, I, I, I want to do something about the homeless. But like any of us who would want to do something about the homeless, uh, you think, where do I start? She was praying through this and asking God, how do I, and she felt God's answer was this simple. Start with one. Start with one. The one happened to be Craig. Craig at the time had moved uh, from his bush to a two-story home. As described it. it was a park bench uh, that on the, the, the uh, uh, top floor was the, the bench he sat on at, at in daytime. The ground underneath it was the, where he slept at night, but, and so he described it as his two-story home. And he would sit there on the bench, and as Nancy was walking her dog, she began to strike up a friendship and, and conversation friendship and conversation turned into, Craig, are there some things you need? And providing just some simple needs for him. And then Nancy felt this kind of tug on her heart, invite Craig to the Christmas Eve service. And the feeling of, how am I going to do that? Do I, do I clean him up first? What do, I, what do I do? And so she didn't quite know what to do. She came to church that Sunday, and we ended the service uh, with this question, what is God inviting you to do? And she felt, okay, I, I, hear, I hear it loud and clear. You're, you're saying invite him to Christmas. She said, I'd like to invite you to Christmas Eve. And family took care of him. They, they got him a, a, a motel for a few days around Christmas so he'd have a place to go. But uh, long story short, what began in that moment was this, that uh, Nancy started this friendship, this relationship that actually pulled Craig off the streets. She eventually was able to work through some of the systems in our government and through some other charitable uh, uh, means to get Craig in a place to live where he'd have a a roof over his head and food. And this incredible thing, Craig started coming, started attending the church with her. She'd pick him up. a moment of of transformation, but I I don't think I quite understood the depth of everything that was happening. I remember when Craig, as Craig was coming, I remember talking to him, just a gentle guy, but I didn't understand the power of the application of Nancy's obedience until I sat there yesterday listening to Craig's family. You can imagine if your brother was so good to help him and he continued to struggle and suffer and, and all those things to, to Nancy, how much she meant to them, how thankful they were, uh, the blessing that she was. And I think for Nancy, she was, I just did my part. You guys did it for years and he wouldn't have done exit. But to watch these, these, this family with tears in their eyes say, you know, you've been like an angel to our family, and we thank you so much. And the, and the funeral yesterday, uh, Craig passed. The funeral yesterday was filled with hope. It, it was filled with joy. Here was a man who was once homeless, and we were talking about having a home in heaven. And it was, it was just powerful to think about. 
And so it's where this last part moves. It's so important. And so I want to invite you to what the challenge is this. Will you commit to continuing soap memorization? We, we only have two weeks left in this series, and so you can think, well, do you consider doing this all the way till Easter? So let's just put another month. We're going to go through the book of John. We're going to look at some of the miracles of Jesus' passages. Would you continue this process? You, you, you have the outline. You know how to do it. In fact, there's even an app you can get now called Soap Bible if you want to keep it on your phone. But such an incredible process where you get a chance to, to listen in this way. Uh, pastor Ken, he's our Huntington Beach pastor. He, his pastor kind of came up with a SOAP acronym. And he, I remember him, uh, he was sharing with us, you know, when we first started it, you know, it was, it was slowly catching on again and again to keep practicing this, practicing this. And he said, it caught on in our church in such a big, powerful way that if you go into Oahu now, he says, you can't, you can barely go into any Starbucks, any coffee shop, anywhere in Oahu and not find someone from our church doing, with their Bible open, doing soap. He says, it's amazing how much that church has taken to this. And I thought of that, I thought, oh, that would be amazing. I mean, I can't imagine how incredible it would be to go anywhere in Huntington Beach and Fountain Valley and you walk in to get your latte or whatever it is you're going to Bible open. They got their little Beach Point journal open. They're just doing soap. They want, they, they want to process what he's saying and let it sink deep. They're getting marching orders, ready to go from that moment in such a way that they want to, they want to be a blessing to people. And I think, ah, oh, man. So would you consider doing this very thing? In fact, what I would like to do is actually practice that together right now. And so I want to invite Joy, who's our pastor of worship arts, to come and lead you in this process. Well, we often worship through music here, but there's more than one way to worship. One way the church has been worshiping together for centuries is through Scripture and through in the church service. So we thought today... What a great day to practice that together. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me and we're going to worship through reading scripture together. The screen, we'll read it together three times and each time I'll give you to kind of focus on or think about while we read. It's going to feel a little bit like soap, what we've been doing. Um, but I just want to first start by inviting you to just silence your heart. This is uh, meant to be a time of connection with the God who loves you. So take a moment and just... This first time we read it, pay attention to any words or phrases that stand out to you as you're reading. And after we read it together, I'll give you a moment to just kind of ponder and think about what those are that stand out to you. So let's read together. Blessed is the one who does not win step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who's the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Sin is like a tree planted by streams of water, Yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers.
time, I'll read it while you listen. Words, I want to invite you to think more about those words that stand out and to ask yourself and ask God thing to you. So I'll read it, you listen, and then in the moments after, ask, what is God saying to you? Blessed is the one who does not walk or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and wither. Whatever they do prospers. Read it with us time, and afterwards we'll ask God to sh- uh, ask God to show His words and these thoughts into your daily life. Blessed up with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. That person, like a tree planted by streams of water, which its fruit and seeds.